0: Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway
1: today. Fuck, honestly, here's the thing about rats tests, like, they don't stop. I don't know if there's, like, some sort of design <laughs> flaw in my nose, yeah. but, like, it no, goes. It gets,
0: it gets to your mouth eventually, right? It gets, mouth it gets past, right? past like, the frontal
1: lobe yeah. to the backal lobe, yeah. like, What's right all in the back. Like, tubes. almost to the base of my spine.
0: Yeah, no, that's good.
1: And I'm, like, what? Absolutely. Is it Spinal fluid is the, where, you, that's yeah. where you pick
0: up the virus. Then. Yeah. No
2: Heidi Mike gone by lunchtime, Manhai Toku Tenna Koto It's April the 29th, two thousand and twenty two, and a bit of a change up on the team today. We've got Ben Thomas except on a Friday and we've got Annabelle Lee Mather except on a Friday and we've got Sunny.
1: Sunny Pokina Lee Mather.
2: Uh would you like to introduce Sunny or does Sunny actually talk? Does Sunny just sit there?
1: She talks to me, but she gets a bit shy in a group situation. My 22-year-old moved out of home, mm. so I had to replace her. Yes. So I got With a, a dog. A caboodle. Yeah.
0: A caboodle. Yeah. Is that an actual? Is that the name That's of the what's dog? That's what it's caboodle.
1: But it's, they, a,
2: it's a what is it? A, 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 no, a labradoodle. Is it? I don't know. She's it? French
1: and British, so her mum's Cav hmm. Cavalier. Oh, you yeah, got gotcha, And yeah. her dad's French poodle, farmed by Māori, So.
2: Did you yes, have to yeah. travel halfway around the country to yeah. pick it up?
1: Yeah, I had to drive to Port Dor to mm-hmm. go get her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Mahi's people. So
2: these are these dogs are, are scarce, aren't they? I know someone who who had to catch three flights and yeah. you know stash thousand dollars under a rock.
1: Very expensive. One. Yeah, it was like doing it was a bit like doing a drug deal at a park
2: mm.
1: with the like handover <laughs> and stuff. Very exciting.
2: We don't, unfortunately, do we? Yet do I have? Any video cameras in the studio? Are they?
0: Nah, we'll probably have to take a photo of Sunny Pokina
2: to It's unfortunate, on media, especially though. because yeah. um, Ben Thomas and Annabelle Lee are dressed today as giant kiwi fruit, giant melancholy kiwi fruit swaying in the existential autumn breeze. It's quite a sight to behold. I mean, the audio is still working despite their. I can't even tell which one is which. Is that you and the gold one, Mm. Annabelle?
1: Yeah, like Todd Muller, I prefer a golden kiwi.
0: Ben. Uh, As as a patriot, Mm. traditional green. Mm. Traditional green Chinese gooseberry. (laughs) 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 That (laughs) was
1: so beautiful though, wasn't it? Such a moment. It's beautiful. (laughs) Mm.
2: Um, We're going to talk about uh, a little bit of that later on perhaps. We'll also talk about Luxon on the polls in a moment. We're also going to talk, we're not going to talk about Three Waters, that's sort of happening as we speak. There's a, a the sort of reset, the acceptance of the working uh, group re- recommendations. We're not going to talk about that because we haven't got a, had time to get our heads around it, so I shouldn't have even mentioned it. We're going to talk about the Rotorua, uh representation bill. We're going to talk a bit about Grounded Kiwis. Let's talk about Luxon first, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> ben, it's been a sort of series of um, I guess gaffes would be overstating it, I think, but kind of struggles on the part of Chris Luxon when we do Christopher Luxon and Chris Luxon and Christopher Luxon. Um, there was public transport, public holiday, lots of things beginning with public that he's struggling with getting his head around. public key things. He wasn't sure about the subsidies on public transport. He said that we should cancel Labor Day. It was sort of a joke that he'd picked up with someone else, but then it wasn't really a joke, but it kind of was a joke. There was there was the the interview with uh Jack tame on q and a on Sunday and a series of other interviews which 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 weren't, weren't i think car crashes would be overstating it, but he struggled again and he looked a bit undercooked um there's been it sort of seems to me that there's been a lot of the best way to sum up his latest ten days or so would be his line, which is um, what I am saying to you is that I could have expressed myself better. He's, those, he's, those been, <laughs> saying that, he's been saying that a lot. <laughs> those two <laughs> bits. What I'm saying to you is, and I could have expressed it better. And, <laughs> and um, uh, tell me this uh, there's some sense in which anyone who's just uh, competent would have been a great relief to the national voting base after what happened in recent times. He's green, he's new that's kind of what you'd expect from someone who's new how serious is it is it being overplayed by the partisans and how much better does he need to get before an election next year
0: he's a, he, yeah look he's he's the green kiwi fruit he's the green kiwi fruit he Delicious,
1: is, but
0: green. Yeah, he's, he's, he's inexperienced. Uh, he's a traditional national guy. He's a, you know, some people have said he's not the flashy gold kiwi fruit that John Key was when he came in. Yes, they have. Promising, su- promising something new and exciting, a bit different. A he's tried changer. to play
2: at least once. I've heard him say, well, I'm not, I'm not a political insider. You're trying that line, which yeah, that I thought <laughs> is a bit of a stretch. As a man on a the
0: street. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) Ah, Look, I don't even know what I'm doing here or why you've got me on. I'm just a humble Parnell resident. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it is difficult to play the sort of, um, you know, political outsider who's sort of, you know, come to shake up the fat cats of Wellington when, you know, immediately prior to becoming an MP, you were sort of the head of the Prime Minister's business advisory group. and (laughs) He headed a, uh, a basically state-owned airline. I, yeah, I don't. He hasn't wowed, right? In the same way that I think Jacinda Ardern wowed when she sort of first ascended the leadership, or John Key did uh, when he he became leader. Did he? John Key? John did Key he? wowed? Okay, oh, I was wowed. not
2: around, but I I wondered that. Was 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 John Key sort of seen as a hit the ground running? I mean, I I recall he did the deal on smacking, which was a smart little mm. bit of training. He was just seen as but, a
1: perfect antidote to Helen Clark, uh-huh. who was like so across the detail of every little thing and so kind of matronly and schoolmummy, and yeah. he was just like... Casual vibes, cool uncle who'd yeah. blown him from New York, but knew a lot of cool stuff and loved rugby. And I don't know, it, and, and people loved it. It was the zeitgeist, and you know, sometimes sometimes it becomes less about how that person performs and more about how sick of the current prime right, minister they right. are. So there was I, a bit I of that as well. I think there's a lot well. of
0: that too. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, John Key, but, but at the same time, you know, there was a clamor from the public, you know, to whatever extent for John Key to become leader of national, Mm. for Jacinda Ardern to become leader of labor Mm. after, you know, their various predecessors. Luxon, you know, there was certainly chatter about him, but it was mainly elite chatter. He he wasn't sort of particularly well known Mm. uh, outside parliament, some recognition in the party. But so so he you know he's had a slightly tougher kind of entrance there you know I think Matthew Hudden wrote a I think re- pretty critical but um, column you know which raised some good points you know mm. Luxon was away from New Zealand for longer than John Key was he was away for sixteen years you know he he hasn't been here you know you saw that in his interview with Moana on Te Ao. Yeah. he hasn't been here for you know what we would call the modern Treaty settlement process you know, those kinds of issues. It's just not stuff that has, he's spent a lot of time thinking about. He, as as disclosed in his interview with Thomas Coglin, he's never spent any time at all thinking about how buses are funded. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, you know,
2: this is just... It's, which, is, which is, I think others have said, kind of a little bit ironic given he runs a massively subsidised, ran a massively, <laughs> massively subsidised public transport company for many
0: years. Oh, well, yeah, but, but, but again, they're two, two, two completely different things. I mean, that, that's something that Houdin said as well, you you know, the difference between, say, a CEO and a currency trader. currency trader basically has to know about everything and wants to know more and more information to know about, like, what might affect, you know, the dollar in this country or whatever. You know, they want to know basically everything that's happening in the world, Right. The CEO of an airline doesn't want to know that. He wants to know what's happening with airlines. <laughs> he wants to know what's happening with customer numbers. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you get like less of a focus. But the, but I, I certainly don't buy this characterization that his interviews have been train crashes. I mean, he's had hard interviews. I would part, – part of me sort of wonders why he agreed to do so many uh, what we might call multimedia media interviews. Uh, with Hui, with Moana and Tiao? two. Uh, it's yeah. like
1: not so many. It's like two, to it's, be fair. It's and, most, and, most of them. And and, and and we've been waiting months for him too. Like it, oh, was okay, it, yeah, the, yeah, when yeah. we had him on the Hui, it's the first time we've ever had yeah. him.
0: So. Um, I he did seem a little underdone. But the, the 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 thing is, you know, these weren't train wreck interviews. You know, he <laughs> I, I I think what actually sort of came out of them was a very sort of traditional National Party kind of approach, which was, you know, we vociferously stand against everything this government is doing, and when we get into power, we'll probably leave it there. And there's a, there's this, there's, I mean, the, the,
2: the maxim which is, you know, partly false, but is that governments lose elections rather than oppositions winning them. That's part mm. of it. And when you, one of the things I think, of when you listen to those Luxon interviews, or in fact... Half listen to them, as most people do when if they hear them at all, yeah. is while they're making their kids school lunches or doing some domestic chore or driving somewhere it doesn't have even if you just kind of did some uh, uh audio analysis on it, which t i is working on this project even as we speak i'm sure you know it doesn't feel as though there are these horrible moments, you know what i mean like it doesn't it seems they they seem to he 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 retains a certain uh, Sangfroid, and it has a—he's sort of cheerful and chirpy, and how are you? You know, he's got this. It doesn't—it it doesn't seem like this is a person. If you're half listening, who's in crisis? What do you think, Annabelle? Five months and tomorrow, five months of leadership tomorrow for Luxon. How do you rate his performance so far?
1: I think there will be concern around his performance. Mm. Uh, certainly. He's got some really good things going for him. He's charming, he's warm, he doesn't get aggro, he doesn't flap around and go crazy. But, I mean, the the interview with the Hui and the interview with Moana aside... The interview with Jack and Tova; these are things that he should know about. New Zealanders will forgive him for not not knowing the the nuance between, you know, the Treaty and Te Tiriti and those sorts of issues, but when it comes to being asked about his. Tax policy about what sort of um, changes in government spending he would make. As a CEO, he this is his sweet spot. He should be able to put up really compelling, convincing, credible arguments, and he's not and he's not doing that at the moment. So that will be of concern. Hmm. Will it matter to most voters? Probably not. But here's the issue: once you get caught in this relationship with the media. These sort of gotcha interviews, like, you know, making a sport of, like, pulling your pants down, it's a really hard dynamic to get out of it, you know, and so... It has its own momentum. It it does have its own momentum, and they're going to keep chipping away at it. I have to say, I agreed with with, um, Hooten's analysis this morning. There's two fundamental things that are missing for him. One is that he hasn't done his apprenticeship. He doesn't know how politics and parliament and the the media works yet. Um, and two, he has spent a long time away from home and he has missed out on big chunks of, you know, of historical institutional knowledge. Having said that, I think where he is performing well is that those CEO management skills that he Brings, I think you can see them in the performance overall of the party. There seems to be more discipline, more unity. They're still fudging their lines like, you know, Nicholas says one thing, he says something else. But overall, I think we're seeing a far more um, united um, um, party than what we had before.
2: That's that's a great point, And it's worth kind of uh, uh, keeping it in perspective, isn't it, Ben? Because most of the last—I don't know how many years—there has been a regular conversation about who will be the next leader of the National <laughs> Party, because <laughs> there is a sense of uh, of that being imminent. And that is not a conversation, to my knowledge. I mean, yes, there may be some murmurings of dissatisfaction, right? People saying this guy needs to do some SWAT. Mm. This guy needs to have better. Better prepared responses to it's not mm. just it's knowing the detail, but it's also knowing how to get yourself out of tricky spots, right? That's a, partly a kind of PR thing, true. But nobody is talking about he's going to be rolled before the election, are they?
0: No, of course not. So. I mean, you know, look, look at the re- reality of this. You know, a lot of, uh, the people who are saying that he's sort of really flailing and that he's in trouble are people like Mike Monroe, the f- the former. Uh, Chief of staff to Jacinda Ardern writing in the Herald on Sunday. Yes. It's, uh, it's left wing pundits on Twitter. I mean, you know, and, and. You can just sort of imagine the scene of you know. Well, to be fair, Chris, Matt, Chris, Matthew, Matthew Chris, Houghton is a
2: left wing pundit on, Chris, on Chris, Christopher Luxon, you know,
0: turning up into the the turning up to the caucus room and going, "Great news, guys! You know, we're we're ahead in the third out of the five yeah. polls in the yeah. last two months," and you know, and his his caucus pelting him with fruit and going, yeah. "You said perspective <laughs> instead of perspective on to with Moana, right. you idiot, you moron, get out of here." Well, <laughs> let's let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk about to you, Christopher,
2: Because the, <laughs> like, the polling the polling because you're right. Because the, he's going to instead be given a standing ovation when he walks into the caucus room because yeah, the, the net, polls net. are showing the National Party in the lead. The 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 Curia poll for Taxpayers Union has National on thirty-seven point eight versus Labour on thirty-six point eight. Greens nine point four Act eight point four. I mean that's that's the reality, right? That's much more important than um than any other
0: yeah, metric. Th- no no one's gonna care, you know, like you know, if 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 Luxon drops five points in the next poll, people will say, Okay, you need to hit the books. Uh, you know, other, otherwise, you know, this is, this is kind of immaterial. The sort of if well, if, you, if you if you look at the if you look at the look, it's not immaterial. There will be you know there will be debates. There will be head to heads between. There's a campaign coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he and he does need to sharpen up. He needs to get across more detail. I think that he does have a he does seem to have a little bit of a problem uh, moving between subject areas. You know, he he always seems really prepped for one thing during his right. interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can't get away with that as as opposition leader. But at, but at the same time, look, if you compare his interview, for instance, with say Willie Jackson, who followed him on mm. Q and A, Jack Tame is a tough interviewer. You get tough interviews. When Jacinda Ardern is interviewed by Jack Tame, they're tough interviews. You know, the the I, I don't think it would be you know, I, I would be amazed if um and you know, and as <laughs> As as we all know, with like you know Annabelle sort of looming in the earpiece, Matthew Forbes is a tough interview. Um, you know th- these are not interviews where you know Luxon is ever going to go in, and no politician is going to go in and just sort of you know wipe the floor with these interviewers and come out sort of you know standing atop a pile of carcasses or something victorious. Um, they will be tough interviews, but you know I. I yeah, he's got to sharpen up, but there's there's no catastrophic, thing. you know, in with the Q&A thing, one of those one of the uh slots or one of the the highlights I guess that people got really uh excited about was that you know, Jack Tame saying, well, in the context of all government spending, what would you where where do you find the waste? I mean, the, this isn't particularly, you know, this is this is not a a particularly hard thing to do, you know. You you find, you, you add up the hundred million dollars. You add up, you know, the shovel ready projects. You talk about how much Kangaura spends on building homes, and and you get a pretty significant amount of money in those areas where there is inflation, like construction costs you know, pretty quickly. Well, I mean, the the, the problem in that interview there is that he he talked about the Hamilton Auckland train as an example. Mm. But that's
2: that's a, that not that a prep thing where well, you have a list where you bore the interviewer to tears? Mm. You know, that's the, you take up the time by mm. listing off eight, nine, ten. Do you want me to go on? I can get, you know, boom.
0: You just, that's, that that's, that's just SWAT, isn't that just SWAT? Oh yeah, yeah, I think it is, and I, I don't know if they've into, I don't know if they've isolated the, the best examples. You know, you should you should be talking about inflation where people are feeling inflation, right? Like if inflation is being caused by construction costs, which it is, uh, you talk about all the money the government's wasting on construction that doesn't need to be done, or you know, or, or the way that you know, Kai is outbidding private sector people, the way that Kaingora spends a million dollars on a dwelling, whereas a Kiwi-built home has to be built for $600,000 and that includes the developer's profit, you know? Um,
1: I think not being able to justify his tax policy, his tax cut, admitting that his tax cuts will be just as inflationary as government spending and that, I mean, it's not good. He is 100%, he's not in trouble with his party. Do you know what I mean? Like, he ain't going to be getting rolled before the election, I think you get to a certain part in the election cycle, just like when we were talking about John Key and Helen Clark before, where it almost doesn't matter what the opposition guy does. People are just sick of the current PM. And I think, Ardern, you know, COVID giveth and now COVID taketh away. Like it did, really, she did well during COVID and she was rewarded for it and now she's being punished for it. So she's really kind of on a on a knife edge. So I think it'll be... In some ways, more about her performance than than his in terms of what she's able to to hold on to but
2: and that's why from a kind of political theatre point of view or a political personality point of view even. While she is seen as the COVID manager and the having been dragged down by that, he needs to maintain that kind of upbeat, you know. Which is, I think, mm. what he's, he's conscious of that. And he comes mm. on to every, you know, "Hi, how are you doing?" is <laughs> first <laughs> question in every yeah. interview as, as Kim Hill is about to attempt to disembowel him, <laughs> you know. And that's and 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 that's that's what what it is, right? Like coming in as a, a fresh alternative to someone who's seems right. yeah. encumbered, think- burdened by all yeah. the shit that we all went through over I, the previous years. I
1: think he would help himself if he was more curious. Hmm. He needs to get across more issues. He needs to fill in the void of his institutional knowledge of New Zealand over the last sort of 20 years to, be, to, come, to enhance his credibility as a leader because at the moment when he can get picked apart on stuff like tax and government spending and all of that, it's not, it's not, good, it's not a good look for him.
0: Yeah, and I I think he needs, you know. (laughs) The public
1: transport gaffe in particular was poor. I mean, given the bailouts that Air New Zealand has received over the years, like you'd just expect them to be a bit more polished in these areas.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of that stuff is honestly vague enough that you can sort of, you can kind of. Plausibly accept his explanation, even if you don't believe it. Right?
2: Like, but then know, again, I, Annabelle's point is right that in a way, he's also playing to a bunch of different audiences. One of which is the press gallery and the, yeah. me, the, 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 the you know the media establishment more broadly. And if he's seen as not really understanding how public, that, that's yeah, that's not nothing,
0: right? No, sure. And I th- I think you've got to the the other thing is is. Uh, you know, speaking of talking about John Key, and maybe it's unfair to sort of you know play by play, sort of you know split screen compare his his career to John Key's. Well, but... there
2: was that ad. Do you remember the one where his face morphs? Oh, yeah. Did was, we find out who paid yeah, it for that? Yeah, was some dude in Christchurch, the guy who runs that um like you know um
0: payday. Okay, no, I don't know. Um, the which is that you know key key really to get into the sort of social issues stuff. You know, Kerry, he he talked about the underclass. Yeah. He took Little Art heart to Waitangi Day. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he um he, you know he talked he talked about how he was going to you know give the prime minister's salary to charity, probably, which yeah. he didn't really end up doing. But that's not fine. And. And and there was that moment in the debates with Clark where, you know, the interviewer said, you know, it was Mike it might have been Hosking said, you know, what do you consider rich? You know? Hmm. Do you consider yourself rich? And hmm. Helen Clark sort of said, Oh, well, I, I've just got a little home in Mount Eden, probably at the time only worth one point five million dollars or whatever. <laughs> you know, and I just live a very modest life. You just know. a short
2: walk to a stadium yeah.
0: concert. <laughs> and then and John Key said, you know, um while you know growing up in this in a single parent home you know i consider being rich not worrying about the bills when you get them not being afraid to open the power bill and and with that, he won the hearts of New Zealanders yes. and swept power. That's
1: that's uh, and I reckon that is Luxon's big challenge: is hearts and minds. It, it, he it, needs the hearts and minds vibe. It's
0: getting across <laughs> that you know he's got to have an answer to that. Well, you, you'd get eighteen thousand. Maybe he you should were, give you know, a
2: big speech in which he reaches out to the ram raiding community <laughs> and says, "Stop! Let's not let's that's let, that's guys. Let's, guys, let's. it did it did strike me though." Um, uh, being less flippant, the things like take, that. He could take this,
0: the seven-year-olds to Waitangi. They could, like, <laughs> ram into Titi Marae. <laughs> yeah, the, the entourage the, get out there holding his the, hand. The, all these stories though
2: about the, the ram raids, all these kids, you know, these kids who are involved in, that's that's sort of not, not, not a kind of, it's not a Beltway story, it's not a political story really, no. but it does add, you add that, that to, you know, that people sense that, the yeah. sense of, of what's happening around the country. You add the inflation, the cost of living reality that people very, very tangibly feel, and then that those are the kind of things that Luxon just needs to be there, right? He needs to be there he needs to look stable and he needs to look optimistic. Yeah. And, he, and, that's, and I'll give him this, he's busy, you know. I mean, he's this weekend at a regional conference, he's giving a speech out on Monday, he's giving a pre-budget speech after having given what seems like 200 interviews over the last week. Or so, you know, so I guess at least, at least, he's, at least he's not shrinking from, from yeah. the spotlight.
1: Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world. As they share advice from their time in the US, so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix podcast brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today.
2: Let's move on to um, grounded kiwis, not um, not the kiwis that you guys addressed at. Although grounded kiwis, I want to ask you this. Isn't that the nature of Kiwis?
0: Like when you literally think about well, Kiwis. Not,
1: what's the other type of Kiwis? kiwis like the long winged flying Kiwi or what like what, the...
0: No, because no, because you've got to think like we're just talking aspirationally. We're talking about okay. how New Zealanders see ourselves, which is Kiwis who can fly or on dance on the world
2: stage. Or dance in, on a kiwis stage and take flight. And
0: it was Victory for the Grounded Kiwis,
2: which is a group that was set up during the MIQ years uh, as a lot of people struggled to get home to New Zealand.
1: It's a generous appraisal.
2: And the High Court Justice Gillian Mellon found that, said the that MIQ was fine, right? Like the, 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 the decision wasn't that MIQ mm. in principle was unjust. Um That it was okay as part of elimination, but the the, the what was called the the lobby, the lobby lottery right that mm. that that was that and a very narrow band of exemptions yeah. was not demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society and that sort of seemed like i think we talked about this at the time. it did seem like such a narrow criteria for exemptions, that mm. it almost seemed as though if they'd just expanded that a bit, and yes, that would mean a few people who were playing the system might get through, right? But better than a whole lot of people who were playing the system by literally hiring staff mm. to <laughs> sit there and hit refresh on the fucking keyboard. Um, it's a victory for Grounded Kiwis. does it, What does it say about the response overall, Annabelle Demetha? Oh, I,
1: I mean, I find it hard to get, uh, you know, st- worked up about this issue, like the lottery system wasn't in place for that long, as I understand it. Yes, it absolutely sucked. Yes, there probably should have been um, more leeway for special exemptions, but when you start thinking about that, the stuff that you're going to be weighing up, like someone wants to come home to give birth versus someone who wants to come home to bury their parent versus blah, 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 like it's an absolute wasteland of, of of trying to decide, weighing up people's horrific circumstances against one another, and certainly you would think that if it has to go through that process that that's going to create even more delays and more hardships and more people appealing and appealing and appealing. So, yes, the lobby sucked. Yes, we know MIQ could have been better, but it served us well. I don't think it's the huge um, victory that grounded Kiwis are saying it is. It's just that the, the lobby was bad, and um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm just like a, a lot of a, a lot of people faced hardship during lockdown, whether they be based in New Zealand or based overseas. A lot of people had to sacrifice farewelling parents, children, loved ones, pregnancies, all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah.
2: The the and 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 I, I think there is very little sense that it's going to have a massive political impact now. You know, people's attention is not really focused on that at the moment. Um, there will be some people who have uh, long, lingering, enduring memories of that, that time, and it, and, it, and it may impact them. But Ben, it's important because the judges ordered them to go away and come up with what is it called—the the, the declaratory something or other—I forget the legal term. But basically, it's useful in terms of next time, and they're very well. Maybe next time, mm. yeah, that this is done. It was this was done at haste, right? And I mm. think we can all forgive. No, no one expected a perfect system, um,
0: but next time it'd be good to get it right yeah and we look we've seen this with a bunch of um you know the the first week of the lockdown was arguably illegal um back in march twenty twenty or unlawful rather um the you know there have been a number of bill of rights declarations about m i q um you know to do with uh, exemptions for business travel uh then there was you know the grounded kiwis case here. Uh, there was another there's another sort of oh the mandates you know the mandates for army and police so were police and defense uh, force yeah yeah um, this doesn't i think as uh, national party uh stalwart David Farris suggested, this doesn't i don't think this suggests you know widespread unlawfulness in the response. Most of this was sort of, most of these findings were, you know, about specific things, you know, in in what is, you know, the biggest, the biggest collective sort of action the government's ever done, you know, any state in, you know, the the last couple of years has been the biggest sort of state action outside of war, Mm. probably in history, yeah, everywhere. So I think you can forgive a, a bit of it. You know, you got to take note of it. I think Annabelle's right. You know, if you, as un, as undesirable as the lottery was, uh, depending on how how widely you drew those exemptions, you you could actually just you could commit an endless number of bureaucrats mm. to an endless process. Mm. And and look, we even saw that. You know, over here, the people who ended up getting exemptions. Works Some, somewhat coincidentally often the, the sons of judges and <laughs> things who who wanted to get out to see their sick relative and It just turned out that in that particular case, you know the, the other high court judges thought that, that was an infringement of the Bill of rights um, i 'm a little torn on this, I think in the sense that I actually think that the com- country behaved abominably towards New Zealanders overseas. Um, you know, leaving aside the regulations or the requirements of MQ, I think the the population of New Zealand were horrible about New Zealanders stuck overseas, um, and I think that a lot of people should be ashamed of how they acted and how they spoke about our our fellow countrymen and you know relatives. Um, on the other hand, I think that the Bill of Rights is a sham, uh, and that it should be probably abolished the because Bill of we we is do well the Bill of Rights Act, yeah, because there is increasing activism uh, by the courts to to want to sort of police every area of government action, you know, in terms of what the courts think was permissible. Now, you know the. the the pandemic is a really good example of why actually you can't you know, submit everything to the judgment of the courts you know, in an ideal world with that one policy in isolation, not considering anything else that's going on in the world, which is how BORA applications uh, you know, li- like tend to work. Doesn't
2: it show it in, in, in operating as it should insofar as the government did do those things and they were enacted and they were enacted quickly mm. and um, expediently? And now there is uh, an overarching piece of legislation where they can be tested to find out whether these, these exceptional measures were uh, demonstrably justified. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I think in a democracy, demonstrably justified should be, can you take the people of the country with you? Now, you know, unfortunately, I think the people of New Zealand turned out to be kind of jerks about overseas New Zealanders during the pandemic. But I think that's still a legitimate democratic response, right? Um, yeah, so I, look, I, I, I'm not a big fan of sort of the, the increasing sort of scope of mm. um, Bill of Rights litigation uh, because I don't think that judges should be uh, you know, the, the opinions of judges should be put above the opinions of uh, elected representatives.
2: Let's, let's, um the the next thing we're going to talk about has a Bill of Rights element to it too, which is the Rotorua uh, Lakes Council had a local bill that was going through the parliamentary process. Tamati Coffee, the local MP, had it, it was a kind of unusual form of bill or less, 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 less commonly seen version of bill, local bill, where it's put by a, a, a local body, and it's um, represented by an MP, and this one was to change the representation uh, makeup up of the council. David Parker, the Attorney-General, uh, advised that it would breach the Bill of Rights, and that's to do with the nature of it, which is it proposed having three general seats, three Māori seats, and four at-large seats, um, I think that's for editors at large only who are available for those ones. Um, it had got past the first reading. It was going to select committee. Um, Rawiri Waititi, the Te Pāti Māori leader, co-leader, says brave and progressive. Critics said it was badly drafted. Uh, they were They raised concerns about the pace at which it was being put through the process, but most fundamentally that it removed the principle of equal suffrage. Annabelle, what did you make of this bill? Do you think it was defensible?
1: I totally think it was defensible, and I reject the, um, what's the term, equity of suffrage, did you say? Equal suffrage. Equal suffrage, like everybody gets the same amount of votes. Māori don't get to have more votes than Pākehās and Rotorua. Um, It's just ensuring that, that three out of, was it, ten overall councillors are Māori, and they're democratically voted by their... Constituents, you could argue that it's actually a more democratic process than what we currently have with the independent Māori Statutory Board in Auckland, which is you know where people don't get to vote, or the the public at large don't get to vote for them, and that was passed by national. So, yes, I think it's defendable. Rotorua is a progressive city; they see firsthand the benefits of co-governance with the Tāmaki River iwi trust settlement. They um, they have a strong relationship with Mana whenua There, they had done their homework. I do think it's defensible, and I think I think this boils down to um, to Labor not wanting to um, be targeted and. Um, Criticised for being too pro Māori at this point in the electoral cycle, and so they've they've chickened out on it. But I, I think to say that 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 the um, Rotorua council hadn't done its homework and all of that stuff is completely unfair. It looks like really good legislation.
2: It would mean that the people who were on the Māori roll would be each vote would per, per representative would be much, much higher, like two and a half times higher.
1: They'd they get, uh, inter- if you break it, it's, yeah, it's essentially if you're, if you're for the tyranny of the majority, then this legislation goes against that because it creates three places for Māori representatives, which if you worked it out on population may not be the case, but you can't just work it out on population. We've got a this is a, a country formed on the treaty. This is a city that was gifted by Ngāti Fakowei for the people to set up a township there. So it's not just as straightforward as that. There's a whole lot of other stuff going on, and Maori would still be in the minority. They wouldn't be the majority of people on council. So why is it an issue?
2: So it's been. There's been a pause put on it. I think the words to use. Basically, it's been, it's been stopped for now. It's going back to. Got to reconsider it. And, I mean, do you think this has still got legs in it or do you think this will just disappear?
0: Um, I think it'll either be amended to amended to ensure proportionality or it will be withdrawn because I think the the plan was pretty much drawn up before Nānaia um, Mahuta's reforms uh, to allow councils to mm. sort of implement Māori wards um, without it going, to, you know, without the possibility of a public referendum to veto it. So, you know, there is an argument that it's not necessary now um, and that it, it just sort of creates this unnecessary bespoke sort of regime uh, for Rotorua, which they could they could sort of do under the normal processes. Um, you know, there's probably an argument that it would, you know, even if you created proportional Māori wards, it would still end up being unrepresentative in the sense that those who voted votes would be worth more proportionately because Māori have much lower turnout than old white people in local government elections. Mm. I mean, this, this idea that local government is democratic is all a fucking scam anyway. Like, uh, like, like, local, local government is God bullshit. Ero. Local government has a turnout of between about 30 and 40% nationwide. Uh, it, it's vastly, you know, Kate Newton did an excellent piece for RNZ on this analysis a while back. Um, which said, you know, even in the predominantly Pacifica and Māori areas of South Auckland, all of the consultation and submissions that were done were older white people, <laughs> you know. There is, you know, if, if what you're into in is democratic purity, mm. local government, which is just a delegated, you know, a, a delegated sort of function of central government, Set up under these sort of arcane rules with this kind of sham of local democracy kind of attached to it, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't get you there. You know, I don't, I don't I don't know why people are so fixated on this idea of democracy in local government. I it, I tend to agree. Like if you've got it, if you've got the sort of regime set up, you know, under the local government act that everybody gets a vote and they get to vote in their ward and stuff, you should keep it proportional for that purpose. You can you can have co governance elements like the um, independent Maori statutory board in Auckland. Uh, you know, Rotorua has actually got a, a very close working relationship uh, with Te Arawa. I think they um, they actually have very close, they have uh, iwi representatives on all of their subcommittees. And there's, you know, I, I certainly don't think that Rotorua is suf- suffering for lack of Maori or iwi representation right now. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I mean, it would be good if they amended the bill, the the Rotorua bill, uh, so that a it abolished local government and <laughs> re- replaced it with a Department of Parks and Libraries. So that Tamati Coffee, called me about this
1: policy of yeah. yours, Ben. I'm here for it. Mm, it's
2: um, every 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 question ends up with this at the end of the answer. It's, mm. it's
0: good to have a talking point. Um, and and the de- bro- de- Department of Parks, Libraries, and no ferries to Waiheke Island. Mm, electric ferries, no ferries. Um,
2: Very briefly, before we go and deal with manifold crises that are developing around us, Uh, Jacinda Ardern's tour to Singapore and then Japan. It was the first time uh, the Prime Minister's been abroad for like a couple of years almost, I think. And uh, it was a we are open for business sort of tour. There were some fairly kind of uh, low level announcements. Were, why are you looking so
0: confused at me, Ben? I, I just realised, because well, I was thinking, I said Chinese gooseberries earlier in the thing, and I was like, is that racist? But then I was thinking about it. When I was a child, I ate, this, were I ate this fruit, hmm. this kind of berry thing that was in our garden. And I was like, what is that? And my parents were like, that's a Chinese gooseberry. But it wasn't a kiwi fruit. It was kind of a yellow thing. What no, that, did I that, eat? That,
1: that was loquits. Yeah. That was was that, it like a little yellow
0: it it, it it came. in, There was sort of like a, a bunch kind of, of them. a weird sort of pod that almost looked like a sort of paper lantern over it,
1: Wait, which you
0: opened um, and then it was like yellow. That's uh, polonia.
1: Oh, oh no, that's. um. I know the ones you mean. Um, they are. They're Guava. gooseberries. They're gooseberries. Oh, they're, they're not Chinese not China, they're gooseberries. gooseberries. They're just like wee.
2: Oh, it's like, small, like grape size. Good yeah, good yeah, great yeah, size. Yeah, more yeah. just yeah. gooseberries. Also tree tomatoes. Do you remember that?
1: Yes, tamarillos.
2: Tamarillos used to be called tree tomatoes. Yeah. Oh. Which I sort of have, I used to just sit down for a tree tomato and a Chinese gooseberry.
1: There's yeah. yeah. been yeah. a good talk
0: about the PM's visit. Mm-hmm. The can Prime I Ministers? just say
1: that like those kiwi fruit there will always be an miq spot for them and in, in, in my in my <laughs> oh, hotel killer.
2: and in your heart
1: and in my heart
2: they... they
1: are in my virtual lobby of my Waidua yeah, all the time.
0: <laughs> if you don't get an exemption to my soul. If you don't get an exemption to mourn with your family in person at the tangi mm-hmm. because you're still in the the kiwi fruit will just come in oh and gosh. sway mournfully. You will oh not
2: find gosh. this <laughs> so level beautiful. of geopolitical <laughs> analysis
0: anywhere else, I love ladies
2: that. and gentlemen. Look, I'm tearing up I'm tearing up at the thought of it. Beyond the kiwi fruit, was there anything that is worth the opening up the symbolism of deliver your baby? uh, (laughs) There was one (laughs) consequential sort of agreement, which was the the announcement with Japan of an intelligence sharing arrangement, which has you know suggests a kind of direction of travel in terms of uh, stuff, Ben.
0: Uh, yeah, look, we've, you know, all fun and games aside, um, you know, we do need to, uh, Delipa Fonseca wrote a really good piece for Stuff About This. this Yes, week, he did. Um, about how, particularly in Asia, we have focused too much on trade. We haven't focused on deep relationships and close relationships in a political sense. Um, and we, we need to do that, particularly as uh Our reliance on China becomes both more dangerous for us and the region, uh, and and we need to look, you know, to move away from that. And our last word from you. Um,
1: I'm just so captured by that beautiful picture that Ben just painted of Mm. the kiwi fruit coming to deliver my mokopuna. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think there's probably a business opportunity here friends. Um, hey, uh, I failed to mention earlier, thanks very much to everyone who's a spin-off member, um, and especially if there's any of you who've made it this far through the <laughs> podcast. You're the greatest. <laughs> if you're not, think about it. We um, really value if you want independent, homegrown media and high-quality geopolitical analysis like this, please um, mm, sign up, indeed. help out. Thank you to I here um, for these new mic- microphones which are hanging from the, above us, like a solar system.
1: Like a kiwi fruit and, on a tree.
2: Like a kiwi fruit. On tree. Sonny, thanks.
1: Kia ora e te iwi. Te Butler Kia here, podcast manager at
0: The Spin Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin Off member at thespinoff.co.nz/slash/donate.
1: The Spinoff Podcast Network.